0: Welcome to Faith Foundations with the Open the Word podcast. I'm your host, Gwen McCaslin, for this discipleship series. Um, we are picking up uh, part two in Timothy. Um, we're actually in 1 Timothy, so that could be a little confusing there. But I think we might, we'll either finish up 1 Timothy and jump into second, or who knows? Maybe I will fill this episode with the rest of First Timothy. But Timothy actually uh, tends to be a favorite of mine, a favorite place in Scripture that I have spent a lot of time growing up. So um, it's kind of very dear to my heart. So I'm going to pick up a little bit. Uh, we ended in chapter 2. Uh, we're going to pick up in chapter 3 of First Timothy and I'm going to dive right in. Um, It is a trustworthy statement that if a man aspires to the office of overseer, it is a fine work he desires to do. What follows in chapter 3 is basically a description of how you are qualified to be an overseer and a deacon within the body of Christ, and then also some general instruction about order for the church. Okay, and so basically understand that a lot of these were gentile believers coming out of pagan worship um a lot of the church was jews coming into faith in christ and so you know they were used to the way jews did things um and so to get both of these guys out of what they came out of you had to build a structure for them to follow in order to do life now Um, As followers of the way, as Christians, as believers, they needed guidance on what church needed to look like, what the body needed to look like, um, what leadership within that needed to look like, what their homes needed to look like, um, what their marriages should look like, Um, all of those things. Needed to be clarified, and so some of what these letters do is exactly that. Now, when Paul would go through the area, he would custom for every single community based on you know their interactions, and but he would he would share some of this content, um, and then the letters were kind of follow up to what he had shared. Um, but in this one specifically, in the book of Timothy, first and second, he is instructing a young man who is going into the city of Ephesus and, and basically starting to oversee the body of Christ there. Um, and so this young man is being literally given a ministry uh, to oversee. And so organizing it is one of the biggest things you do when you come in Uh, And take over something as you want to see what you've got. But you also want to build an overseeing structure. Um, And that's what you get exactly in chapter three. So an overseer then must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, temperate, prudent, respectful, hospitable, able to teach, not addicted to wine or to other things, but gentle and peaceable, free from the love of money, he must be one who manages his own household well, keeping his children under control with all dignity. If a man does not know how to manage his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Can't you just hear, Paul? I'm sorry. There are some moments when he is so human. This is one I could see. Like, how on earth do you expect a man who can't take care of his own household and stuff to take care of the body of Christ? It just ain't gonna happen. <laughs> and not a new convert. So he needs to have some experience and years under him so that he will not become conceited and fall into condemnation incurred by the devil. He must have a good reputation with those outside the church so that he will not fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Deacons likewise. So we're getting our second position. So we have an overseer or a pastor, um, and then we come down and we have some a deacon Um Deacons, likewise, must be men of dignity, not double-tongued or addicted to much wine or fond of sorbid gain, but holding to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. These men must also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons uh, if they are beyond reproach. Women must likewise be dignified, not malicious gossips, but temperate. Faithful in all things, deacons must be husbands of only one wife and good manners of their children and their own household. Good managers, sorry. Uh, Good managers of their children and of their household. For those who serve well as deacons obtain for themselves a high standing and great confidence in the faith that is Christ Jesus. I'm writing these things to you, hoping to come to you before long. But just in case I'm delayed... I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God. Okay, so you can tell these people are coming out of all walks of life, and they need to know how to conduct themselves in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the support of the truth. By common confession, great is the mystery of godliness. He who is revealed in the flesh was vindicated in the spirit. Um seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, and taken up to glory. Which is a reference to who? Of course, it's Jesus. Um, Okay, so starting chapter 4, we have the apostasy, which should sound familiar if you've listened in order to the podcast. Um, Back a couple episodes, we talked in in 2 Thessalonians about the apostasy or the falling away. That would happen before the... um, before we are called and collected to Christ, okay? Second Thessalonians 2, verse 3. Let no one in any way deceive you, nor will um, it not come, unless the apostasy comes first, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction. Okay, and we talked a little bit about who that man of lawlessness is, Uh, and we talked a little bit about the man of lawlessness in past episodes, but an, an and a very general timeline for um, the tribulation. Um, but I want to go back here a little bit to four, um, four chapter four verse one of First Timothy. But the Spirit explicitly says that in later times some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. And by means of hypocrisy of liars, seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron. Men who forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from food, which God has created to be gratefully shared in by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with gratitude. For it is sanctified by the means of the word of God and prayer." Um, Here's the thing. This would have addressed some of the things about eating meat that had been sacrificed to idols, um, which would have been cheaper than other meat. And honestly, in the markets of that day and age, to find meat that wasn't used in sacrificing to idols was probably pretty hard to find. And kind of Paul's point here is that, listen everything is sanctified by the means of the word of God and by prayer. That it was God who provided the meat in the first place. It was just man who used it twistedly to sacrifice to an idol. But by the word of God and by prayer, it's sanctified and it's fine to eat. Um, And so you can kind of see the dilemma here, but the church would have had um, believers in it that would have really stumbled at this. They would have really struggled with this. Um, remember Jewish believers coming to faith in Christ had all kinds of rules and laws that had been a part of how they ate and how they cooked and how they did life. Um, and so for some of them, it just felt wrong to get rid of some of those rules. Um, and so some of them really struggled to live as Paul's describing in some of these places. Um, All right, picking up in verse 6, this is about um, a good minister's discipline in this, this little part. In pointing out these things to the brethren, you will be good servants of Christ, constantly nourished on the words of the faith and of sound doctrine which you have been following, but have nothing to do with worldly fables fit only for old women. But on the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. You have to just kind of wonder if Paul had just about had it with old women who were gossipy and using fables all the time. You just kind of have to wonder because it just kind of feels like that, doesn't it? Anyway, I don't know if maybe he's had some run-in with some of these women in Ephesus or whether it's it's where he's at right now that he's had some issues. Um, but wouldn't that be just so human of Paul? to have some of his frustration currently map into his discussion with Timothy on things. But verse 8, For bodily discipline is only of little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things, since it holds promise for the present life, but also for the life to come. Mm. Uh, And then I'm going to skip down to verse 12. Let no one look down on you for youthfulness, but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. Show yourselves to be an example. Um, Until I come, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and teaching. Do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, which was bestowed on you through um, prophetic utterance with the laying on of hands by the presbytery. Another word for presbytery is also a board of elders um, or, you know, so basically you would have had Timothy as the head of the church at Ephesus and then you would have had a board of elders and then under them you would have had some deacons and that was kind of the structure that was set up. And so, you know, there there would have been a lot of tasks from keeping taking care of widows and orphans and um, and those that are suffering and providing for those who you know maybe can't work the lame or the hurt, um, so to speak. And so, uh, there was just a lot that would have gone into managing the church, kind of like today, meeting the needs of the body of Christ. Um, and so, yeah. And so you would have had definitely the preference for that. Uh, Chapter 5, you have widows honored. um, And so you have a whole section about widows and how to manage them. Um, (laughs) Verse 9, a widow is to be put on the, uh, the list only if she is not less than 60 years old, having been the wife of one man, having a reputation for good works, and if she has brought up children. If she has shown hospitality to strangers, if she has washed the saints' feet, if she has assisted those in distress and devoted herself to every good work, but refuse to put younger widows on the list, for when they feel sensual desires in disregard of Christ, they want to be married, thus incurring condemnation because they have set aside their previous pledge. Um, you're getting into, in this section, a lot of stuff about marriage and remarriage and um, and things like that and Paul's view on those kinds of things. Um, for this podcast, I'm going to encourage you to read down through those things and consider them. Some of it has some context pieces. Some of it has some good wisdom. Um, things get really messy in remarriage situations. And in some of the cases, Paul encourages that. And in some cases, he doesn't. Um But I think guiding over all of that is this idea of managing your own domain uh, and managing what your home is and your family. Um, But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So Paul is really encouraging them to manage their homes and their families and Um, and their situations and this honestly this passage right here is how do I put this it Paul's establishing in some ways what we consider the government's job um, of how to take care of widows and how to take care of orphans and who who the church should be providing for and who they shouldn't provide for Um, because Paul was not about encouraging um, people to not work Right. We saw that back in, in Second Thessalonians. Um, he was about encouraging everybody to be doing in all diligence to be providing and living quietly and managing their their homes and their lives. Um, there was a big uh, focus that people shouldn't be in leadership positions within the church unless they were taking care of their families. Um, and so you can definitely feel that he's, he's doing what? He's sorting out freeloaders. He's sorting out people who want to use and abuse uh, the church. Um, and he's really encouraging people to not be about gossip, but be about working hard. Um, and so you get that uh, a little bit later on in verse 13. At the same time, they've also learned to be idle, Um, They go around from house to house, not merely idle, but also gossips and busybodies, talking about things that aren't proper to talk about. I want younger women to get married, to bear children, to keep house, to give the enemy no occasion for reproach, for some already have turned aside to Satan. If any woman who is a believer has has dependent widows, she must assist them, and the church must not be burdened, so that it may assist those who are widowed indeed." Okay, and so basically what that's saying is that just because someone's a widow, she may have somebody that she belongs to a household, and that household should be taking care of her too. Paul's addressing some of those social welfare needs of the community, of the body of Christ, um, with good boundaries and giving a guiding structure um verses 17 through 25 you've got some more teaching concerning the elders. Um 17 says the elders who rule well are those who to be considered worthy of a double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. For the scripture says you shall not muzzle the ox while he's threshing. The laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not receive an accusation against an elder except on the basis of two or three witnesses. Those who continue in sin rebuke in the presence of all, so that the rest also may be fearful of sinning. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of his chosen angels to maintain these principles without bias, doing nothing in the spirit of partiality. Um, Do not lay hands upon anyone too hastily, and therefore share responsibility for the sins of others. Keep yourselves free from sin. Um, No longer drink water exclusively, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach, And frequent ailments. Um, Now, I do want to point out that sometimes water sources could make you ill, um, and sometimes wine was used medicinally uh, to kind of help with stomach. And we do know that Timothy seems to have had a bit of stomach ailments from time to time. Um, And so Paul's actually giving him a little bit of advice. The sins of some men are quite evident, going uh, before them to judgment. For others, their sins follow after. Likewise also, the deeds that are good are quite evident, and those which are otherwise cannot be concealed. Okay, so you can just feel the oversight, pastoral advice being given to Timothy, right? Okay. Um, I'm going to point out just a couple of things in chapter six. But um, all those who are under the yoke as slaves, verse one, are to regard their own masters as worthy of all honor, so that the name of God in our doctrine will not be spoken against. Those who have believers as their masters must not disrespect, be disrespectful to them, because they are brethren. But must serve them all the more, because those who partake of the benefits are believers and beloved teach, and preach these principles. If anyone advocates a different doctrine and does not agree with sound do- sound words, those of our Lord Jesus Christ, and with the doctrine conforming to godliness, he is conceited and understands nothing, but has a morbid interest in controversial questions and disputes without words, of out of which arise envy and strife, strife, abusive language and evil suspicions, and constant friction between men of depraved minds and deprived of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. And then Paul is going to give us one of the most beautiful addition problems ever. But godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. And so I've got in the margin of my Bible, godliness plus contentment equals great gain. For we have brought nothing into the world, and so we cannot take anything out either. If we have food and covering with all of these, we shall be content. And remember, this is Paul who says, I have learned to be content in little and in lots. Um, But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and are And a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. And some, by longing for it, have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But flee from these things, you man of God, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. You made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God, who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus, who testifies the good confession before Pontius Pilate, that you keep the commandment without stain or reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will bring about at the proper time. He who is blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone possesses immortality and dwells in an unproachable light, whom no man has has seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Amen. Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly supplies all us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good and to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. O Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you. Avoid worldly and empty chatter and oppose arguments. Of what is falsely called knowledge, which some have professed and have gone astray from the faith. Grace be with you. I'll be honest, there are some times when it feels like Paul's writing it to our day and age. Um, We have, I am just amazed at times of how scripture could just leap off the page. Some of the things going on with deconstruction right now fit so much of this empty and worldly chatter. Um, The arguments of what is called knowledge, um, which some are professing and some have gone astray in the faith. um, And to guard yourself against these. Yeah, I honestly, I think it's a timely word for this day and age. And for somebody who is struggling with doubt and seeking wisdom um, and knowledge from others that are not solid in God's word. We are in a day and age where we need to be very careful to discern God's truth. And unfortunately, if we're not in the word, we are not familiar enough with the plumb line to know whether something's level or not. Um, We're not familiar with the tools. We're not going to be able to know the truth. Um, Yeah. I guess I don't know what more to say with that, but it takes getting into the Word. And my heart for these podcasts is that you guys are challenged to get in, but really think about the audience, about the people that would be reading this, how they would be trying to apply it to their lives and what those lives look like um, and how their lives mirrors stuff that we're dealing with and we're going through. Uh, we are in a day and an age where you know, there might not be pressure from the Jews per se, but there's pressure within the church about what you believe and, and what you're going to stand for truth on and what what you're going to agree with the world on. Um, we are in a day and an age where you're going to have to start speaking up for biblical truth, Um I am just more and more convinced that we are in a day and an age where believers are going to start separating those that know the word of God on one side and those who do not will fall. They'll fall for the clever schemes of the wicked one. They'll fall for the message of the world, um, which who is the God of this world? It'll be Satan's message. Um, And they'll fall left and right. The Bible tells us the apostasy must come. Uh, And so, you know, I guess our prayer is that you guys are not one of them, that you are grounding yourself in the Word. There is going to come a day when persecution will be here. And those who have been diligent in the Word of God will have a wealth of, of knowledge and wisdom that God can bring to mind. In moments, I mean, what would the world look like if if our Bibles are taken away and we're not allowed to meet in churches? Um, What does it look like? You know, how much verses do you have memorized? I am so convicted that I don't have as much as I want in my brain memorized. Um, You know, what if I end up in a in a country that is the state of what China is, where I may not be able to get a Bible that hasn't been approved by the government with key things removed or changed. Um, you know, I just oh goodness. I think we are in a stage where we need to wake up as a church, and hopefully that means getting into the word. Um, we don't go to the word always, and I do want to say this. There are sometimes when you read God's word that you're going to walk away going, "Okay, Lord, I don't know that I got an epiphany today." It's okay. That's okay. Study the word because it builds up a spiritual bank account so that on a day where you need a deposit or a, to make a withdrawal, you have a sufficient balance inside for that moment. Um, all right, I'm going to leave you here today with First Timothy. And I will pick up next episode with 2 Timothy. Um, And we'll see a little bit later on how Timothy's done with some of the instruction that Paul has given him. All right, thanks for tuning in and thanks for following along. I'll see you next time.